Ladies and gentlemen, the Greatest Games Podcast is back today with the great Jeff Kohler and Chris de Blasio. This is a neat episode where we talk about parents and some of the challenges that we have as coaches around our kids and parents and around our programs. It's a very thought-provoking episode that we can't wait to bring to you. Thank you for your patience as we have not had an episode since early December. Goodness gracious, what a layoff, but we are back and excited to bring you new content here as we move into the off-season and beyond. But before we get to today's episode, you know I'm going to mention it, the Competitive Mindset Podcast with Billy Kegler. He doesn't take any time off. He keeps cranking them out, the great Billy Kegler. Check him out wherever you get your podcast at the Competitive Mindset Podcast and on social media at Competitive Pod. And Steve Collins, he doesn't take time off either. Check him out at teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball for incredible coaching content from, again, Steve Collins at teachhoops.com slash 816 basketball. And let's get to today's episode with the great Jeff Kohler. Hello and welcome to the Greatest Games Podcast brought to you by 816 Basketball. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Rosefield, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris de Blasio. Thank you, Brian. The Greatest Games is a chance for us to catch up with basketball coaches from around the country and have them tell us about their greatest games. As always, it can be their time as a head coach and assistant coach, just uh, some memorable games that they have in their career. And sometimes we even like to get off topic from specific games, and we might do that a little today. That's right. Off topic is uh, it is our specialty, I feel like. And, uh, yeah, we might just talk about great games with great coaches, and we may even bring back great coaches that have been on the greatest games and that's what we're doing today uh our uh, a second time guest i believe uh we've had some triple guests i believe now but uh coming back to us from tenafly he's the head boys coach at tenafly high school jeff kohler welcome back to the greatest games thank you for having me again guys appreciate it well, Brian, by the time this airs on Wednesday, hopefully Coach Kohler's season will still be going on. But I just want to let you know that right now his team sits at 17-4. and four. Uh, They qualified earlier in the season for the Bergen County Jamboree County Tournament. And they are the number two seed in the uh, North 1 Group 3 playoffs where they take on Pascag Valley. Uh, on Tuesday, March 1st. So when this airs on Wednesday, March 2nd, we hope that Coach Kohler's season is still going on. Yeah, I sure hope so. Uh, <laughs> we're playing Prospect Valley, Al Coleman, and, uh, you know, we, we played them twice already, but you know that the third game is always the hardest. We saw it in the Jamboree um, this year with Don Bosco and Bergen Catholic. So we got our work cut out. We got a, a, my team, I love. It's probably one of my favorite teams I've ever coached. So I, I hope we can find a way to continue. Well, we're going to go ahead and speak it into existence, and we're going to act like it. You did get that W. And I know that we've talked about it before, Chris Blasio, but for me as an outsider, you, you mentioned some numbers, Group 1. Uh, tell us, all of our listeners, again, kind of a, a brief overview of New Jersey basketball and what all of those numbers mean. It, it felt a little bit like verbal hieroglyphics to me. <laughs> okay, so Group 3 is 3A. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Group three is 3A. Triple A, four A. So it's three A. It's the you know, kind of pretty big high schools, but not super large high schools. 
Okay. Uh, and the state is broken down into four regions, North 1, North 2, Central, and South. Okay. And those schools, once they win their region, that's it. They're declared a state champion, right? They don't play each other. So there's multiple state champions? in No, they, they do. In, in, in all sports except football, they play off to a final champion. Okay, except for football. Okay. All right. Except for football. Well, we'll we'll save we that. We can get into a lot of minutia about that. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> I was gonna say we'll we'll save that one for another podcast episode. So, uh, well, th- thank you very much uh, for for that uh, that that clarification. So. And honestly, we're rooting for Coach Kohler because Coach Coleman is yet to come on the show. So, the coach of Pascag Valley has not yeah. responded to come on the show. Oh, well. We'll go ahead and call him out publicly. We've had Coach Jasper from Pasquick Valley. I, I was going to say, we've had the legendary Jeff Jasper uh, on, on the podcast. But, uh, all right, we're calling him out publicly. All right, well, that sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> all right, so we have got a special topic here tonight. Um, Chris, I'm going to go ahead and let you tee it up here uh, a little bit. We've got some differing uh, roles here. Me as an athletic director, you guys have coaches, as coaches – and uh, tell us tell us a little bit of what we are talking about, Crystal Blasio. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the role of parents and the student-athletes and coaches and athletic directors and how that all meshes together. Um, this season turned out, for me, not to be a positive experience in, in that way, uh, which actually led to me resigning with a week to go in the season at Saddlebrook High School uh, due to some uh, interactive interactions with parents, where I had one parent grab me after a game and another uh, run up to me and verbally assault me during the handshake line, which is something I had never seen until it happened to me in the actual like I'm like slapping five with the players of the other team, and this father's calling me a terrible effing coach. Uh, but he didn't say effing. <laughs> he, he used the word. Um, so for me, it started early in the season where two parents requested meetings to discuss playing time. Uh, and my athletic director suggested that I have those meetings uh, we did them over Zoom. It was still in December. People weren't comfortable meeting in person. And I had my assistant coach there, and we listened to the parents' concerns and discussed it with them. Both meetings lasted about a half an hour. Um, so my first question would be to both of you, if a student athlete, if a parent reaches out to you and says, I want to have a meeting discussing playing time, uh, what's what's your opinion on it? How has that gone for you if it's happened? Just kind of open, open discussion about that. Jeff, I want to hear your thoughts as a coach. Please. You want me to go? Yeah, I, I'm pretty much uh, very open in, in situations like that. I, I like to kind of nip it in the bud. And if there is a situation, I, I understand. I feel for the kids. Um, I'm really lucky in, in my lifetime at Tenafly. I've had uh, you know a handful of issues, but you always have issues. But um, I, I'll sit down with the parent. I'll talk to him on the phone. Uh, I'll give you a great example. Like this year, I, I have probably one of my favorite teams I've ever had in this boys basketball. Um, I have pretty much I have nine seniors, four start. They're really good. They're, they're really a very good team. And my my bench players, my six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen players, is pretty good. So if I'm a parent, 
you know, I, I can see why, hey, why aren't they getting some minutes? Now, that's the big thing that I think parents sometimes don't understand. You, you can't just throw a kid in for two, three minutes. Two, three minutes is a long time in the basketball game. And I try to explain that to the, to the players. I mean, three minutes, you get in there for 50 seconds, it's a lot of time you could do something. And I remember when I was in high school, that's how I got my break. It was the so-called garbage time. And I remember playing for 50 seconds. I made a steal. The next game, I played a little more. But, um, but I always try to reach out to the parent. I try to really – my whole thing with coaches and I, at, with, with athletic directors is that I have a lot of friends that are athletic directors. And, and, and my, my cousin was an athletic director. And it, anything that doesn't have to cost their desk because they have to worry about you know, all the sports. That's what I try to do. And, and, of course, if I can't handle it, then I'll go to my athletic director. And I said this last time. I mean, at Tenafly, we, had, we have had great athletic directors. Ed Cromer, Bill, uh, Bill Jager, Dan Kildane, the, the guy now, Joe Carello. Just, I think it really starts with them. And if they give you the, the opportunity to say, hey, look, playing time is all up to you. As long as you're not physically, mentally abusing the kid, you know, that's a different story. But, but there have always been, in my lifetime as, as a coach at Tenafly, that playing time is always my decision or my coaching, my coaching staff's decision. And we have like four or five coaches. I've always tried to get there. But, um, so I really try to reach out to the parent if there's an issue, if they want to talk to me. I try to communicate with the kids. That's a big thing, I think. You know, you got to let them know. You got to give them love. You got to show them. And and, and the the situations that that coaches might have is maybe you know the, the parent is going over the head or going to the athletic director, going to the principal. That could be an issue. So that's interesting to hear you say that, Jeff. I do remember you talking about those athletic directors that have been there have been great uh, to work with. Um, yeah, for me as an athletic director, it's great to have coaches that keep things from my desk, that's for sure. Uh, and it's one of those things that I signed, when I signed the papers to be an athletic director, uh, I signed up to have things come to my desk. And so, uh, But I also, like I said, do appreciate the coaches that are able to do that. Um, I will say when, when parents reach out to me about playing time, um, 99 times out of 100, I'm asking them, hey, have you talked to the coach? And usually 98 out of those 99 times, they haven't. Uh, and I just politely, uh, I politely say, hey, I just need you to talk to the coach. And, and unless, like as you mentioned, Jeff, unless there's something nefarious going on, or they're making an accusation against the coach about their kid, uh, I'm not going to get involved in that. But I do politely also tell them if they if they go this route, hey, this is high school sports. Uh, this is not rec ball. Everybody is not guaranteed to get in. Um, and so, uh, again, there have been times where I've had parents that make accusations against coaches um, that I do need to investigate, which is also gets tricky, too, because parents have this, uh, not all parents, but a lot of them have this belief that if they reach out to the coach, now the coach is going to retaliate against the, their kid because they've reached out to the coach. And so that's why they come to me. And so if they do share that with me and they want to remain anonymous, I have my ways of getting to the coaches without them knowing, hey, so-and-so's parent called about so-and-so. I can just stop by practice, which I'm there anyway, and I can pick, pick their brain, ask them some questions, and then I can follow up with the parent if I need to. Um, but it's interesting being a former coach. Uh, I followed uh, the example of John Combs, who's one of our former guests here, great, great coach around here in, in the South Carolina area. Um, he never 
ever talk to parents about playing time. That was his policy. That was his rule. That was his procedure. I'm not going to talk to the parent. I will talk to the kid. And that was his thing. He wanted to be able to talk to the kid, have the kid take some ownership and show up and say, hey, coach, why am I not playing? Um, I did break that rule one time in my in my career when I had a parent come back to our office, Chris de Blasio, remember where that was, and come in after a game and openly question me why his son was not playing. And I said, no, nah, you know, I can handle this. And it did not go well, of course. And so, um, so, uh, but I, 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 want, I wonder how y'all feel about that, that policy or that procedure of, hey, I'm not going to talk to the parents at all about playing time. What do you think about that? I, I have no problem uh, talking to the parents. I actually even like falling. I love sitting with the parents. I, I like hearing what they're saying, and uh, you know, just to see if they know basketball and. and or volleyball or, or or softball and and a lot of times you know their perspective you kind of you kind of do have a dialogue with them um, you know you don't want to get too close during the season I really don't communicate with the parents um, but I always try to you know talk to the kids try to you know if I if I know there's a situation that a kid might be upset but I I, I agree with you I think the kid should communicate with with the uh, the coach first I mean, that should. It's almost like, and I said this to you before, Chris. It's almost that a parent could do more harm with with talking or complaining about playing time because the kid could be great, you know, boy, girl, whatever. It could be just an awesome kid, but you have some animosity because the parent just thinks that, hey, this should be happening, or you should be playing more, or you know, it's it's really a kind of a, a bad situation. But communicating with the with the kids, and, and I'm lucky enough that I. I actually have a, a great story that I had a freshman play on a state finals volleyball team. She started for me. It was great. The next year, somebody beat her out. And this girl that, that was a starter on the state championship finalist team was my daughter. And the very next year, she was on the bench. So, you know, I had my wife yelling at me maybe, but, but the reality is that, you know, I you have these things over years that you can say, look, you know, this is this is what happens. If you if you show me in practice and in games, you'll be fine. And um, at the time, I told my daughter, it was a good learning experience for her. I'm like, you got to keep working at it. And, and she did, and she ended up starting the next two years. But but it's something that um, every year, every coach, you have these situations that you could use. I have two Wally Pip stories in my basketball team. You know, my starting lineup was different, and a couple of kids got hurt. A couple of kids stepped up, and we went on a long, you know, winning streak, and we just kept it all year like that. So, you know, when you have situations that the kids see, you know, it, it's a good situation for the program of whatever sport you're coaching. All right, Brian, our trivia question: Who's Wally Pip? Uh, Wally Pip. Fantastic! Oh. I have no idea. Right. I'm sure. Amazing. <laughs> First one for the New York Yankees and wasn't feeling well one day and said, let the rookie start. And the rookie went on to start 2,130 consecutive games named <laughs> Lou Gehrig. There you go. So. There you go. Thank you, Wally. <laughs> Thank you for that gift there, Wally. <laughs> um, Brian, you, talk, you and I have talked a lot about things not only on the podcast but off the podcast. And you were saying, you know, I know you have this thing at the beginning of the year where you meet with your coaches and you talk about now your role is you're coaching coaches now. You're not coaching student-athletes. Um, and I know you have like a, it's like a 17 point, it might be 11 points, maybe 17's made up, I don't know. 
of like things you want your coaches to do and I believe one of them is to have a handbook or um, with expectations and is, is a parent meeting involved in that or is that sort of up to the coaches a pre-season parent meeting yeah that's a that's a good question and I'm happy to share that list it's actually I think we're over to 43 things now that uh, it's not a well, pretty, it's too many. It, well it's it's a lot <laughs> it's not too many it's probably not enough um, it's not a pretty document but it really is everything that our coaches at Ridgeview are responsible for um, from fundraising to you name it in this case a handbook yes is required that I need to approve um, and having a parent meeting which is required that's not that's not a suggestion they have to have a parent meeting whether six parents show up or 60 um, and it's my belief now that actually after uh, really even listening to JP Nurbin was episode number 132 of our podcast here from the Thrive on, uh, Thrive on Challenge or TOC Consulting now that parent meeting is not just here's what we do here's how we do it this is what i'm expecting of you get out of here it is now an exchange of hey here's who i am i want to get to know you guys i want you to get to know me and this is what i I want to enrich your lives i want all all of our lives to be enriched through this parent meeting and, and really have a loving interchange there and also here's what i expect here's what i'm looking for here's how you can help type thing so that is definitely a requirement. We have coaches at Ridgeview that do an absolute bang-up job of that. I've walked into parent meetings, and it, I, I leave there really jazzed up about the season, uh, but really trying to flip that and look at it as a positive experience for those parents, I think is great. Did I answer your question, Chris Blasio? I feel like you asked the question. And... I did. No, I was going to say, Jeff, do you have a parent meeting in any of your sports, or have you in the I past? Do. I do. Um, it, when I took over the basketball program, I did the first couple of years, and then you get kind of a relationship with the parents, or you know, the, the dialogue. Um, uh, softball, we go to Florida, so I always meet the parents there. Uh, volleyball, you know, I'll tell you, I, we, I I got really fortunate. I mean, I have a great assistant coach, Megan Williams, who's been with me since basically the beginning. But uh, volleyball, when I took over, there was no club. Teams. Nobody played club. Well, there was club teams, but none of my players played it. So it was basically they only learned volleyball from me. So over the last ten years or so, we started getting club players, and um, and it's just you know it's a little different. But I I, I still like I vacation with some of the volleyball pack. We go out. Like I have a good relationship. It's just a different sport. Uh, basketball is a little bit more cutthroat. Softball is another whole animal to itself, and I don't understand how there could be ever playing time issues in softball because if you go home for 15, you don't play the next day. I don't know how you can complain. Uh, but, my, but my athletic director does a great job. All my athletic directors have done this, but uh, Joe Corella just did this the other night. He has a freshman orientation, and he does a little segment about this is not middle school sports. This is high school. This is... Uh, you know, every freshman JV, yeah, we're trying to get everybody, as many people as possible. But when you get to that varsity level, it, it's it's survival of the fittest kind. It's, you know, it's the, the third highest level possible you can get to. And, and obviously, it's not all about wins, but playing time is not a discussion. And, and he really kind of, uh, and all the ADs have done that, but he's a little bit more animated about that. And I'm, I'm sure over the years, it's definitely helped us uh, with, with coaching at 10 o'clock. Um, like we have our doozies and all that, but for the most part, like I said, I've been pretty fortunate at 10 o'clock. 
I'd be interested to ask this question uh, or hear y'all's answer to this question. Uh, I have a I have an answer, but I want to hear uh, Jeff. We'll start with you. Um, what would this is a tough one? I think too. What would you ideally like parents to know um, about um, what they are potentially doing to their kid uh, by? arguing with you about playing time or coming to you about playing whatever whatever they're doing or whatever this kind of overarching theme we're talking about is but what would you like parents to know uh, about maybe how they're uh, potentially affecting their kids long term yeah and, and i understand that they're looking out for their kid i mean look at the different generations like when i when we grew up or i mean i my parents would never talk to a coach i mean that was just it it was just me the coach, whatever I play time, that was it. Um, but I, I would say, you know, let, it's a great learning experience. Like you're never going to like your boss. You're not going to always like your, uh, your, your your friend. Whatever the situation is, you have to kind of deal with it and let your child uh, deal with this and work it out. And you know, basketball is great. And, and I, like I said, I have a phenomenal team right now, phenomenal parents. But basketball is going to be over for for nine of these seniors. Maybe one or two might go on. They're finished with basketball. They're going to tie them, you know, shoelaces up for the last time. Hopefully not for a while, but one of these days in the next couple weeks. And uh, what they learn for teamwork and, and, and sacrificing somewhat, you know, I don't like to use the word sacrifice, but understand that they're working for a common goal just like later in life. And, and hopefully you learn those, those, all those teamworks and, and uh and, and stuff that you learn being on a team that it's not always about you it's about the collective team and uh that's what i would try to tell them just you know let let your child speak for themselves you know this what next year they're open college and there's nobody going to be you know detecting them they have to speak up speak up for themselves now, Brian. You want me to answer Chris, that? you are up. Like just like Wally Pip said, "Splitly, give the kid a shot." You, you are, you are up, Lou. Here, no more, man. Um, obviously, the last uh, this happened about a week, a little over a week ago. Um, I've talked to a lot of people. I've thought a lot. I wanted to have this podcast because I think it helps me grow as a coach, learning from these experiences. Um, and one of the things I've talked with people about is. You know how the parents are affecting the child and it's sort of I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth here like like Jeff said the AD lets the kids know this is varsity sports you know we're trying to win playing time is at the discretion of the coach but then on the other hand I want the parents to know this is just high school sports your kid's gonna be okay if he doesn't play a lot like this kid this senior that I had this this issue with like 10 years from now, you know, he's not going to be living in a ditch because he didn't play a lot of minutes his senior year in high school basketball. Does that so make now, sense? Are you, worried, are you worried that that kid or whoever it is, that, you know, it could be any team, he'll, he's going to grow up and he's going to have children. And will he do the same or worse for his kids? Like, what well, is that but I'm just saying just in general in his life his life's not going to be unsuccessful or unproductive because I didn't play in right. the Woodridge game on February 18th 2022 like <laughs> right. so I think there's like both sides to it if that makes sense Brian yeah yeah I think 
and that's kind of that's what I'm getting at, guys. Is like, it, and but my answer is that yes, I'm melding some of y'all's thoughts together. Like, yeah, it is just high school sports, and hey, it is a big deal to these kids and to these parents right now. And 30 years from now, when they're married and having kids, or their their kids are having kids, like the amount of playing time that they got at Saddlebrook High School as a as a senior or whatever, whatever year they are. Um, is really not going to matter, but it's it's more about what I'm what I'm driving at is the responsibility. Um, what 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 about what are they learning about responsibility? What are they learning about ownership? Uh, what are they like Jeffy talking about? What are they learning about fairness or getting along with people that they don't really want to get along with? And and I think also too here, just speaking about Richland too, the school district that I'm in and in the state of South Carolina, um, we are part of the issue too because. We are marketing. We are. We can't recruit, but we're out there pushing. Hey, here's our Jordan uniforms. Here, the, you know. So if a kid is not happy with their playing time, but feasibly at another school, they can. If their parents say, "Hey, yes, that's fine. We're going to move you to another school or whatever." And so we are also kind of contributing to the same problem that we're talking about here, which I also kind of find very interesting. But again, as an athletic director, as a as a coach. I'm more interested in how these kids are growing through these adverse experiences. What what kind of, you know, for we're recording this on a Sunday night. Tomorrow I am taking my, they call it a check ride with the FAA uh, to get my private pilot's license. And if I screw up some maneuver or my paperwork's not in order, I'm going to fail. <laughs> and my instructor, he can't call up the examiner and say, oh, no, 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 he's really a great guy. He's really been working hard. Uh, okay, sounds great. He's going to have to take the test again. And that's the and that's a great lesson for me. And I learned the lesson. Uh, this is a story I probably told on the podcast. Is a, I think it was a sophomore in college, and uh, I was taking a, uh, an econ class, and I made a 69 in the class. And, and uh, I needed a 70 to get credit for towards graduation. I went back to the professor, and I said, is there anything I can do? Is there any extra credit? And he pulled up the – the list of assignments he said well brian i see here that you didn't do your extra credit from two weeks ago and i'm sitting there thinking like oh this is great he's going to give me a chance to do this extra credit and he said well if you'd have done that you would have passed i'm like okay and he said well good luck yeah. <laughs> and that was it and so i learned again like i can't i can't sweet talk my way through thing i can't i've got to do the work and that's what i'm with a long rambling answer that's what i'm more interested in with kids and, and even adults did Dr. Rosefield call that professor up or not? Oh, he was so upset. No, he didn't. Of course he didn't. You know, but when it came down to who was going to pay for the class to take the, the to to take credit or to earn the credit, that was me. I had to pay that extra two thousand dollars or whatever for some summer class so I could graduate on time. A little peek behind the curtain here. Yeah. <laughs> I learned uh, what what when I. I used to uh, work on the island, uh, Kismet. I used to bartend, and I worked my way up to, as dishwasher, all the way up to bartender. And uh, I was a seasoned, a seasoned guy, like a manager kind of. And uh, guy came to the bar and then said, um, uh, "Can I fill out an application for bartender?" And I'm like, "Oh no, we're all set for the summer." So my my boss heard that and he called me over. And he's like, "Jeff, come over here." And he's like, "How do you know?" what I want. I go, he's like, he said to me point blank, he's like, you leave tomorrow, I got 50 guys at the door, or women, that could be better than you. And, and you learn, and I learned, I was probably around 22, 23 years old, and I learned right there that, you know, you, no matter how good you might think you are, there's always somebody better or somebody who's going to take your spot. And, and that was, you know, a great lesson that I learned. And uh, 
you know, it's something that, you know, the same thing with kids and something with exactly what you just learned, Brian, from the, uh, from the 79 or 69. Was it 69? 69. Yeah. Econ, I didn't take, that's why I didn't take an econ class in college, because I would have gotten a, a nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's... Uh, Brian, so just a, just a question for you. Um, again, just looking back at my situation this year, uh, if you had a parent physically grab a coach, what would be your response to that? So, and that's, just, that's a great question, and I don't know what uh, – Chris, Chris is your AD up there, right? Is that right? Uh, yes. Your, yeah. I don't, I don't know what he did, so I'm, I'm certainly not inserting myself, uh, telling him what to do or what not to do. Um, all I know is that just like I tell my coaches that the safety of our kids is job number one, um, for me, the safety of my coaches is job number one. And so if I have a parent that, that physically, um, any, any kind of physical boundary that is unwarranted and un- <laughs> is not asked for, um, then I'm going to address that uh, either why, and, and this is something we've had to do over the years is, is actually put them on a trespass notice where they can't come on campus at all. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the nuclear option, <laughs> but we do like to, just like we do with kids, we do like to try to work with people and say, hey, if, if you just did this, here's your consequence. Now, if you do it again, here's what's going to happen. If you do it again, this is what's going to happen, da, 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 whatever. Um, but that is, that is a certain, um, that's a no-no. And um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to stand up for my coaches and make sure that they're, they're taken care of, that they feel supported, that they know I have their back. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's something that just simply, simply cannot happen physically, but also verbally, too. And we, those are things that we've had to address as well um, in, in, in an ongoing manner uh, with, with a lot of them. And just, and just trying to – because what ends up happening, and this is, and this is a 30,000-foot view here now, what I believe is that what ends up happening, that these coaches have a belief about – excuse me, these parents have a belief about our coaches that they're out to get their kid, they don't do a good job or whatever it is. And I try to, I try to go to work on that misbelief that the parent has about this coach uh, and, and try. And also sometimes that the coach has about that parent and say, Hey, listen, we're in this together. And that's where that parent meeting, I think is, is, is a real key at the beginning of the year. Uh, but we're in this together and let's, let's work through this. I don't know if that makes any sense. Jeff, am I, am I making any sense? Uh, just, I'm, I'm all, I'm yeah, all no, totally. I mean, I, I, Chris, I mean, I guess this parent didn't do a 24 hour rule. I mean, that, is that what you're kind of supposed to do? Like wait 24 hours, cool down and you know it, it, you're so emotional after a game win or lose you just you know especially if you lose then you're really upset and, and, and as a coach I mean I it's I always feel it's my fault so now I'm upset with myself and now I have a parent screaming at me and, and, and yeah like you know would you do something different when you lose of course because you lost you do something anything different but um yeah you're right I mean it's it's a tough situation do you have um police offices at your uh in the gym for security at all? Or? We do not. Um, this was at Woodridge where oh, it happened. Okay. Um, and there were police officers there at Woodridge because they were down by our bench. Then after the game, they went out to our bus. They usually just kind of go stand by our bus. And they went out the doors immediately. 
and the Woodridge athletic director was sort of escorting me, you know, just kind of making sure, but he was ahead of me. And this father came from behind me. And the athletic director saw it just as it was happening, and I just pulled away. I didn't say anything. I just pulled away from the father as he was yelling at me and just kept walking. Uh, and then out by the bus, the Woodridge athletic director was very apologetic to me. He's like, I'm sorry. I, I was trying to walk you out. I didn't see him coming. If I had, I would have, you know, I would have stopped it. That's why I was there. And I said, no, it wasn't, you know, I mean, you didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> um, but our, at our home games, we do not have police officers there. It's, it's, it's frustrating because, like, you know, I, I don't think whatever this parent does for a living, I don't think you would think you would be better or know what to do better than him because he's had years of experience, just like you have years of experience coaching. And I always marvel at that. Like, just, just because I watched ER doesn't mean I could perform surgery. Now, I know basketball is a little different, but we watch basketball, and, and everybody does. And, look, I'm a Jet fan, like you guys know, and, I'll critique the coaches and all that, but but in the end, you're not at practice. You don't you don't you're not seeing who performs to earn the spot. Right. So if, if a parent is upset that the kid's not playing, well, what am I supposed to do? Take a kid that deserves it out and put your son in or, or daughter in? So yeah, I mean these are it's it's a you can't win. I mean it's a little you know coaching the three sports it does it does drain you after a while. But again. You know, a lot of times that's my pressure or stress I put on myself. Like I said, I mean, the, the last couple of years, actually, for a while, I've been lucky. I mean, I've always had, you've had some situations, but but in the end, you know, you try to work it out and you, you try to figure it out. But uh, to have somebody assault you or come after you, that that's way over the line. I mean, that's, that's just no reason for that. Um, yeah. I, I had a, a veteran coach uh was around the county and stuff that I work with and, and he said in the past when he had parent meetings I like the way he put this he, he said the first thing I asked the parent in the meeting if the parent wants if it's a playing time issue he said I asked the parent do you think that I dislike your son personally and 99 times out of 100 the parent's going to say no you'll get that odd parent that thinks you actually dislike a 15 year old but he said 99 times out of 100, the parent will say, no, I don't think you dislike my child. Okay, so then why don't you think I'm playing your child? If you don't think it's a personal thing, <laughs> then the yeah. answer is obvious. Yep. <laughs> yeah. One of the things uh, we'll do in the beginning of the year is, and I'll do this throughout the year with all my teams. Um, I just did it with my softball players. I, I do it with my basketball players. I'm like, I'll ask basically almost everybody on the team. Who do you think are the uh, five starters next year? And, and the kids know. The kids know who the best players are, and that's that's like the real, the, the real thing about this whole. They, they all know who the best players, and um, I, I don't know what happened about 20 years ago or so. Parents got together and they're like, "Hey, got a great thing to tell a coach. Ask your coach what you need to do to get in." You know, and, and that's a great thing from a parent 20 years ago, and they still use it now. But I laugh at that because the kid knows what they need to do. They don't need to coach tell them, well, you need to box out. You need to make sure you get your handle better. You need to shoot better. The kids know it, but the parents want, you know, get a dialogue. And that's not a bad thing to have a dialogue with your coach. But um, but I'll go throughout the uh, beginning of the year. I'll have, we'll have you know, when watching film, I'll say, 
you know, one of my kids, Johnny, who do you think should be starting? You know, who, who, if you were the head coach, who are the two players that you need in the game the whole time? And they all, they, they know. It's just, it's almost embarrassing sometimes. It's like, you know, you have your girlfriend up in the stands or a boyfriend, and then you have your parents, and then you accept it, and then you go home, and then you hear from your friends, ah, you know, Cole doesn't like you, why isn't he playing you? And all of a sudden, you hear that enough from your parents, from your friends, from your girlfriend, and all of a sudden, you start believing it. And, and then, like you just said, like, do you, do you not like me? Of course we like you. I have nothing against you. I just kind of want to try to win. You know, you try to play the best players. But, you know, that, that's what I kind of try to do with all my sports. And, and nine out of ten times, I, I totally agree with what they're saying. So... I, I've sometimes had kids this season with a couple of kids, not necessarily the ones that were involved in these incidents, but say, you know, what am, what am I doing wrong? You know, they, they ask that question. I say, it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's that this person's doing something, or what, what can I do better? This person's just doing it a little better. That's all. You're not doing anything wrong. I know you're trying your best. This person's best just happens to be a little better. That's the way life goes. And that's the tough part, you know. Right. And you're, you're the guy that determines playing time and who's playing. And that, that's the hard part that I, I think they understand. I, I can't imagine kids and parents don't understand that, you know, you have a, a difficult situation, you know, and especially if the kids are close. The kids are close. I, I kind of tend to go with the senior or the upperclassmen. Uh, especially senior, maybe not even a junior sophomore. If sophomore's better, I'll play the sophomore. But if they're about even, I'll go with the senior. Because sometimes it's a little different. It's their yeah. last year or, you know, this, there's no more tomorrows for them. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, there's so many different ways. And you talk to coaches, you steal plays, you steal ideas. You, you know, it's, it's this is a, a good conversation to have in the fact that, you know, what, what other coaches are doing. I can't imagine what... Billy Armstrong and Kevin Durant and Don Bosco and, and Bernie Kaplan when you have the 15th guy just as good as the 6th guy maybe. You know, that, that must be a, a situation that must be pretty tough. Like, you know, obviously, you know, they have great teams, great players, but sometimes when you're great, that's even an issue. You know, it might, could be more of an issue. Yeah. I, yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that it was some – it was a college football team a couple of years ago, I can't remember – when a, a highly rated quarterback did a grad transfer or something and came into this school, whatever, a school, get transferred into school A, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. And the quarterback that was there had started two or three years, and he tweeted out, can't wait to compete with so-and-so that just competed, that it's transferred in here for this job. And I looked at that, I was like, wow, that now to me is the exception. Instead, yep. most of the time if that happens – school kid transferred into school well that quarterback's like all right well i see the writing on the wall i'm leaving and instead but i was talking about this with a good buddy of mine the other day this idea of competing with instead of competing against you know and what we're all talking about now not all it's a lot of what i'm hearing is the kids competing against the kids on your team like i gotta i gotta steal their playing time why like what or what are you trying to just you're just trying to take their playing time, or are you trying to compete with to see, hey, who's the best player, who's going to – or not even necessarily the best player. As a coach, I'm going to trust my coach that they're going to put those five kids in that they believe are going to help us win a ball game, but I'm, I'm just trying to get better in hopes that I can make you better. I make you better, make our team better. That's the thing that 
seems to be lost in all of this as well. This idea of competing with and 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 just the the real privilege too that kids have that none of us really have the chance to anymore as adults to play on a team to help raise the level of our team through competition through our own individual skill development not whining about not getting playing time it's just i don't know i'm off my soapbox that's why when you uh when you have kids that buy into it it's even more special you know when you have your kids on the bench that that they know they're not going to play but you see them that uh, the the first ones off the bench is the loudest that's what makes it really special that you're not competing against each other you're competing with each other and you're trying to get a common goal and then that's to win a game and again if you don't win you don't win you move on but you, you do whatever you can and uh you know like i said i have a couple guys on my team now that you know they, they're not playing a lot but i'll tell you right now in about 10 years from now they're going to be ceos of some corporation making so much more money than us and making it because they get it they, they get what it's like to support other people. And, uh, we, that's what you want. Brian and I have talked about the example. I think Brian knows where I'm going. When we were at South Carolina, we had a walk-on player uh, who understood that he was a walk-on and that he was never going to play in a game that ever meant anything. And he was a little point guard. He was really fast and a great defender. We had a good point guard who's now the head coach at Oklahoma State, Mike Boynton. And this, this walk-on, Sheldon Everett, who's, uh, is, where is he, Mi- uh, Missouri State, Brian? Is he still there he as an is. assistant coach? That's right. He is. He is. And Sheldon knew his job was to make Mike a better player every day. Yeah. And that was his reward. When Mike would go out and perform well in a game at Kentucky or at Florida, Sheldon took pride in that. And oh. that team went to the NCAA tournament, and Sheldon's name is on that roster, just like Mike's name is on that roster, the team that went to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. When we, when we do scout, and, and I my scout team, I mean, there's nothing better than when my player is acting like the other team we're playing, and he's doing a great job, and he's making the players better than the starters or whoever that's playing. So you do, you take a little pride out of it, and we try to make that competitive. Um, in the situation, I, I I remember my first year in basketball. I I did that, and I, do you remember um, the guy from Teaneck, uh, Washington? You remember that, that guy? Um, he was great. Uh, James what year in was Washington. Your first year? Uh, it was like seven years ago. It was James in Washington. I think James was a freshman. Oh, DeAndre, DeAndre Washington. And and I had a kid that would act like him in practice, and I'm watching him, and he's kicking butt. Like he's literally killing my starters. And then eventually, you know, within the three, four games, he was playing. So it gives them, and I, I love it because I have a couple kids that are, you know, I don't know if it's insecure or that they get down on themselves. So when they're the scout team, I'm like, you're not yourself. You are the Juma kid. You are the, you know, you're not you. Just just play like them. Chuck it up. Do whatever you want. And, and they feel more relaxed. It's almost like it's better that way. But, um, yeah. We, we had that. Do you remember? my first year under Coach Fogler, Georgia had a player, D.A. Lane, who would shoot from anywhere and it would just go in and he would be guarded and he would chuck it. And we were getting ready to play them. And um, maybe it was Coach Cooper, John Cooper, told Travis Kraft he was going to be D.A. Lane in practice and just told Travis to just let it ride, like you said, just let it ride. And Travis hit everything that day in practice. (laughs) 
Just wherever you get it, shoot it, drive it against three guys. You know, we need to, our guys need to get used to that. This guy's going to get the ball and get it up on the rim. And I remember that practice, Brian, in, in the Carolina Coliseum, and Travis was just, he must have made 20 shots that day in practice and scrimmaging. <laughs> He could he could flat fill it up, old Travis Crap. I'll tell you that. <laughs> still one of the greatest end of end of game plays drawn up from side out of bounds there to North Florida. Travis hit three at the buzzer. <laughs> That's right, unbelievable. Well, guys, this has been uh, an enriching conversation for me. Is there anything that we have not discussed that needs to be talked about for the good of the group? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, hearing none, uh, Coach Kohler, we, we can't thank you enough for coming back. And it's it's an important topic, I think, as we head into the off season. Hopefully uh, some coaches have heard some things, some parents have heard some things, and maybe just make them think a little bit, uh, cause them to think. that I, don't, I think it's one of those things there's no right or wrong way, whether you, you talk to parents about playing time or whether you don't, whether you have a parent meeting or whether you don't, my recommendation is that you do and have a handbook and have policies and procedures that you follow. Uh, but knowing that that we're all human and emotions are going to get involved, and that's why I go back to that ownership and resp- responsibility piece. Like, hey, if I screw something up, hopefully I'm healthy enough that I can say, hey, man, I screwed that up. I'm really sorry about that. Let's move on and pick it up. But um, all good things to talk about. Um, but we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, excuse me. I keep forgetting to say that, Matt Park. I apologize. We'll put a button on this one. For my co-host, Chris de Blasio, I am Brian Rosefield. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Greatest Games.